Well, another Memorial Day has come and gone, the official start of summer. Now, I guess if you are a stickler, the summer doesn't officially start till the middle of June or thereabouts. But let's face it, Memorial Day, for all intents and purposes, is the official start of summer. So we're a weekend. Well, but what I want you to do is I want to take you back to last Labor Day. Labor Day 2015. See, Labor Day is usually the end of summer. Do you remember last Labor Day? Uh, did you say, well, where did the summer go? Or did you say, man, there were so many things I wanted to do this summer, I just, just didn't get them done. Eh, perhaps next summer. Did any of you say that? Labor Day, you look back on everything you didn't do, and you said, well, perhaps next summer. Well, guess what? Next summer's here. Whatever it was you put off doing last summer till this summer, summer's here. In fact, you're a week into it, so you're, you're kind of a little bit behind already. You know, we, we like to procrastinate, and we like to say, well, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and somehow we just never get around to it. So a season ends, and we say, well, we'll wait till the next season. Well, then the next season rolls around. Don't make the same mistake again. Some of us have been putting off things for years and years and years and years with the same wistful thought, well, perhaps next summer. Procrastination, you know what it really means? It means to postpone life. Louis Volbrecht writes about that, and just to paraphrase him, he, he says that Jesus was certainly concerned about people taking the wrong bus in life. But what Jesus was also concerned about was people who never took any bus at all. In other words, they stood at the bus stop of life, and while opportunity after opportunity after opportunity came by, and they never got on. They were just waiting for the another one to come by. Just waiting for that next bus to come by. And the dangerous thing is, there's no guarantee that another one's coming. So Jesus was concerned that people weren't taking advantage of what was in front of them right then. He, he told the story about the, the, the foolish virgins, the one who had all sorts of opportunities to go out and buy oil for their lamps, but they procrastinated. They postponed life. They never got around to it. And then when the time came for them to go and, and celebrate, well, they didn't have any oil, so they missed it. He also talks about the, the great banquet or the great supper that was prepared and invitations had gone out to the supper. But people made excuses. Ah, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I can't come. Because really they thought, well, there'll be another opportunity. Somebody else will have another big banquet sometimes. Now, Jesus doesn't say these people are evil. He just say, says that they are people, they are people who postponed life. And because they did, they missed a great deal of opportunity. You see... Not only are we not promised tomorrow, we're not even promised the rest of today. So you see, what Jesus is concerned about is that we take advantage of opportunities when they come along. Now in Matthew 24, beginning of verse 37, Jesus is talking about uh, the second coming. And he's trying to explain to people what it's like. And, and so he says, as it was in the days of Noah... 
So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man, for in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Jesus says, before the flood, people were just going about their normal routine. They were oblivious to the fact that anything was coming. And he says it's going to be the same when he returns, is that people are going to be going about their daily lives. But two people are going to be in a field. One will be taken up, and the other one's going to be left behind. And the same thing with two women grinding at a mill. One's going to be taken up, and the other is going to be left behind. And his point is that we need to take advantage of the important things in life while we have the opportunity. Now, certainly... It is unfortunate when we say perhaps next summer because we didn't get the garage cleaned out or, you know, maybe didn't take that vacation that we had been planning or didn't start that new hobby that, that we had been looking to do. Now, th those are all unfortunate situations. But where it becomes a tragedy is when we say perhaps next summer as it relates to our relationship with God in our relationship with other people. You know, you, you need to tell somebody that you love them. And, and, and you keep meaning to tell someone just how much they mean to you. But eh, perhaps next summer I'll, I'll, have another, I'll have another opportunity. And what happens is that instead of writing those things down or telling them in person, uh, you end up reading about them in an obituary. You know, there's, there's someone that, that you want to write to to apologize for something that you did to them. But you keep putting it off. And then the next thing you know, instead of writing a letter to them to make things right, what you're doing is you're signing a sympathy card to send to their family because the person has gone away. Now, those seem kind of drastic, but it happens. We postpone things in life relationship-wise. We keep putting it off, thinking we're going to have another opportunity. And we're not promised that that opportunity is going to come. But the greatest tragedy is to say, I, I know I need Jesus in my life. Ah, perhaps some other time. Perhaps next summer. Ah, perhaps next week. But again, that summer, that week, that next day may never come. And it's tragic how many people keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. They know they need Jesus in their life. But they put it off and some to the point where it's too late. C.S. Lewis writes about Satan bringing all his associates together. And, and he says to them, he says, tell the people, this is Satan speaking, tell the people that God is real. Tell them that they should have faith in him. Tell them that the gospel is true, that Jesus died to save them from their sins. Tell them all of that. But also tell them that there is no hurry. There is no hurry. Any time is good enough to deal with such matters. And it's a terrible tragedy 
when someone who knows they need a relationship with Jesus Christ puts it off some to the point where it's too late. Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. The bottom line, the key point in all of this is do not depend on any future moment for what you need to do today. Do not depend on any future moment for what you need to do today. You say, well, well when is the right moment? When is the right moment to, to do all of these things? When is the right moment for me to, to have a relationship with Christ? When is the right moment for me to make things right with other people? The moment's now. It's not tomorrow. It's not the next day. It's not the next summer. Your moment is right now. It always is. Don't let it pass. Take advantage. Your moment is now. So what you need to do now is start to mend broken relationships. You need to make right all of those old wrongs in your life. You need to tell someone how much you love them. You need to make peace with your neighbor. You need to volunteer to do something that's really, really worthwhile to make a difference in your world. The right moment to do all of those things is now. This is an important summer in the life of Clarksburg Baptist Church. It really is. It's arguably the most important summer in the last decade. Here's why. In a couple of weeks, you're going to begin a search for a new pastor. It's a long process. It takes a while. It can be frustrating at times. It's hard work. But this is an important summer because there are things that you need to do this summer, that your church needs you to do this summer, that will have implications far beyond this summer. Your church needs you to find a place to serve. All of us who are believers in Jesus Christ are given an ability. It's called a gift by God. We don't all have the same gift, but the Bible tells us we all have a gift, and we're supposed to use it. Your church needs you to use it this summer, not this fall, not next summer, this summer. Now, a lot of you do. I know. A lot of you work hard, not meaning to make you feel guilty, but some of you don't, and you need to. Your church needs you to use your gift this summer. Your church needs you to find a place to grow. Now, you can make the argument that someone else can serve in your place, but nobody else can grow in your place. You are the only one that can grow in your faith. Nobody else can do it for you. You need to do that. It's important because what this church needs is for people to grow in their faith, to become mature Christians, so that they can help younger Christians to become mature Christians. Church ain't going to grow very much if we're all baby Christians. The church is going to grow and it's going to thrive as we mature in Christ. You're the only one that can do that. Nobody else can do it for you. One of the reasons that we're changing our schedule around is to make it easier for you to get involved in a life group. That's one place you can go 
to grow. If you're not involved in a life group, I want to challenge you. Get involved and grow in your faith. Become the Christian that God wants you to be. Also this summer, your church needs you to have a positive and an encouraging and cooperative attitude. You need to have the, the ability to put someone else besides you first. You do. You need to have a positive attitude when you talk about your church in your community. You need to have a positive attitude when you talk about your fellow Christians in your community. You need to have a positive attitude when you come here. Are things always going to go your way? No, and we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But you need to have a positive attitude. Your church needs you to do that this summer. Also, your church needs you to mend fences. Now, I know some fences that need mending. And I'm sure you do too. Whether they're in your relationships or whether they have to do with, with someone who's a brother and sister in Christ. We all have fences we need to mend. Your church needs you to mend those fences this summer. This summer. Because the longer those fences stay unmended, what's going to happen is you're not going to be effective. Those separations that we have with other people are really going to hamper us from doing the work of Christ. They're going to get in the way. They're going to be a distraction. You need to mend those fences this summer. Your church needs you to do that. Also, your church needs you to trust its leadership. I, I know you guys don't think this, but maybe some do. That the, the staff and church council just sit around in some dark, smoke-filled room and say, how can we mess with them today? <laughs> I know all of you don't believe that. One or two, maybe. I want to tell you something about the leadership of this church. You have an incredible staff. You have the most gifted staff of any Baptist church in West Virginia. And I'm not exaggerating. How do I know that? Because I have other pastors and state staff that tell me that. Of course, I knew it anyway. You do. They are dedicated to what they do. They are gifted at what they do. They are people who strive to grow in their relationship with Christ. They are people of prayer. You have incredible people in leadership positions in this church with your church council. They are people who, who struggle on many occasions with, with what God wants them to do and what direction the church needs to go. They deal with difficult issues that most of you don't ever have to deal with as church people. But you have a gifted leadership team in church council. They, too, are people who want to grow and people of prayer. And I will guarantee you, they have no agenda other than to follow the will of God and to see this church grow and prosper. Trust your leadership. You know, also, you need to realize that it's not a perfect world. It's not. Not even in a church, it's not a perfect world. Do you, know, do you know how many church decisions in the 2,000 year history of the church have been agreed to by everyone? One. 
In the 2,000 year history of the church, there is only one decision that a church has ever made that pleased everybody. That miracle is found in Acts chapter 6 if you want to read about it. Everything's not always going to go our way. But what your church needs for you to do is not just to realize it's not a perfect world, but to realize that sometimes God leads in ways that you never imagined. You may face something and you say, man, this doesn't make any sense at all. Why in the world is this going on? Why isn't this happening? God is always at work. You need to give him a chance in your situation where you think the world's after you or the world's not perfect to let God do his work and to trust him. Also, your church needs you to pray. Not just a little bit, a lot. You need to pray for the church, for leadership, for ministries, for the staff, for the council. You need to pray for those who lead and teach. You need to pray for those who work with youth and children and seniors. You need to pray for every aspect of this church, not just occasionally, but every day. When your church council forms a search committee for a new pastor, you need to put them way up on your prayer list and pray for them every day. Your church needs you to do all of these things. Not this fall. Not next summer. They need you to do it this summer. All of those things. So how about it? Are you ready to do it? I hope so. Because next summer... First of all, it may not come. But if it does, it may be too late. Do it today, this summer. Let's pray.